You're listening to the Can Dare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! everyone and welcome to another episode of Candair, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, the founder of Churchill Productions and producer of such films uh, like Day of the Living Dead, Checkpoint, which I am dying to see, and uh, the Amityville Harvest, which I believe just of last week made the top ten in the rentals uh, on Redbox, so big congrats to him, Thomas J. Churchill, or church uh, as we're going to refer to thank you so much for being here today man thank you very much it's a pleasure to be here with you guys i'm excited to uh talk with you uh your career looks very interesting here especially uh, i'm very curious to hear more details about how you got into uh making movies but uh, before we do that don't forget to find us on twitter at candarepod and on instagram at can underscore air and if you like what we're doing, want to show your support, uh, head over to our website, candarepodcast.com, and there's a link to our Patreon page, and uh, there's also a link to our merch page. Uh, both ways you can support us and uh, get something back and re- in return. Uh, Randy, what else am I forgetting? So if you're sitting around not doing much on a Tuesday night around 9 p.m. Eastern, hop on Facebook, Twitch, or uh, YouTube and check out Jack and I play some Jackbox games, join us, win some prizes, have some fun. All right. And with that behind us, let's just get our attention turned right over to church here. Man, I want to thank you again so much uh, for being here uh, with us tonight. I am always in awe of people who have a job like you do. Someone who can, you know, take a story and just, I don't know, make the magic happen to bring it to life. And looking at your IMDb, it looks like this is a passion or a dream of yours you've had since you were very, very young. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yes. Um, it's been a great ride. This was something I've been wanting to do since I was uh, about seven years old, uh, probably even earlier than that. But my, uh, I do remember at seven, uh, I really wanted to get into that movie screen. Uh, two of the films that kind of made me want to get into those screen was a film called King Kong and uh, a little independent film called Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> All that little thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I started off in the business of being an actor. I wanted to be in, I love doing make-believe things and playing make-believe with my friends and family. And I always wanted to be uh, an actor. Um, but it wasn't until uh, about 10 years later, when I was 17, I decided to build, uh, I guess that's originally where it started. I got a uh, convinced my dad to get me a video camera and I was I made my first movie but I only made the movie to showcase my talents as an actor um, so I wrote this project produced this project and directed it but it was then when I fell in love with the entire process and I knew that I, I wanted to do more than just act uh, I wanted to tell the stories I figured you know when you're doing something visual like that that is the closest thing for someone to get inside your mind as a writer. Sure. And I, I, I loved uh, watching everything come into fruition. And it was just, just been a passion to follow that uh, along the way. And, you know, takes me uh, to where we are today. I'm still doing it. And I'm, 
I feel blessed and I'm grateful. Yeah, what an amazing job and uh, amazing dream as well. Now, I need to backtrack a little bit here. You mentioned uh, the video camera that uh, you got in high school. I believe it was high school, correct? Yep, yep, yep. And uh, this film you spoke about on IMDb, it looks like it was called uh, War Master. Can you go into any details on this film you made? Sure. I uh, convinced my dad to get me this video camera. Um, we just did, I was just doing this, uh, I was part of the thing called the New York showcase company, which was, uh, you know, for acting, you know, and I wrote a few skits and performed it and, and did a, uh, a, a, a different version of a Christmas carol. Uh, we got a standing ovation and then I wrote this little skit called, uh, the teenage cops, the war master. And it got really like everybody gave me this standing ovation after I wrote and performed in it. And then I said uh, to one of the kids that we were, that I was friends with at the time, I wonder if we can make this into a movie. And he's like, we're kids. You know, what kind of movie would you make? And I said, I don't know. Let's try. So we tried to do the whole eight millimeter thing and realized it was really expensive and, uh, you know, to go out and get the film and then, you know, you don't really get that great look, and everything always kind of looks like it's strobe, uh, old eight millimeter f- um, film. Right. And then, uh, you know, I remember uh, we were in Sears uh, at the time, and Sears was this—they uh, had these this whole video camera, this whole video world. Now, this is before where everybody can go out and you know everybody can be a filmmaker and all the technology is at people's fingertips now nobody it wasn't like that back then so they had the uh the full-size vhs rca with with glorious color and and when i saw it when i saw it i i I wanted to have it it was kind of like uh uh you know it's just something i had to have so at the time, it was really expensive. Um, my father decided he'd get it for me, but with the understanding that I would get a part-time job and pay him back and learn uh, responsibility, which I did. So I got my friends together. Uh, I, I took that script that was in this New York showcase, and I extended it and, and created it. It was basically, when we did this, about two years later, there was a show that came out called 21 Jump Street. Oh, yeah. But we had the first concept of doing this as a teenage cops and what we wrote about it. And, and you know, it was it was fun. You know, we, we did things, just craziness. I mean, we got, you know, cops came up to us at times. And what are you kids running around with these guns and toy guns? And But they all... Back then, it was still somewhat innocent. So right. they, the cops would come over, yell at us, look at the guns, and show that it's, you know, uh, they're toys. And then I would, I, I convinced one of the cops, hey, you want to be in my film? Well, what do we have to do? All you got to do is just drive up and tell me, you know, you know, how did it go type thing. And he's like, okay, let's do it. So it was, it was kind of, it was fun. And I didn't understand the whole once the movie was done after we shot it, how do you put it together? So that was the big thing, you know. I mean, I ended up uh, getting uh, these crazy wires and uh, a stereo and two VCRs and, you know, syncing it that way because to edit, I went from tape to tape. And oh, wow. it's, 
it's difficult. I mean, now with the computers, I mean, you just go back, you click, you know, cut, paste, cut, paste. Back right. then, with I don't know if you guys, you know, remember VCRs or anything. Oh, like yeah. That. <laughs> but anytime you hit pause, the the tape would go back a hair, you know, a frame or two. Yeah. So, so you had to kind of, you know, really get things accurate. And then you always had that if you cut it wrong, you got this crazy red line that would go across the screen and then you had to figure out all right how do i get rid of that line you know so it was all trial and error and putting you know uh, a score and songs behind um the dialogue because you know we're shooting with the camera and the camera mic so how do you put music back there so everything we did it was all you know trial and error and once the movie was done people came up to me and asked me to put it in a film festival at that time. I had no idea what a film festival was. Never heard of it. Didn't know, you know, I came from Glendale, New York. Nobody knew about film festivals. And, uh, there was about seven or eight people that came up to me because they saw this newspaper clipping about this film festival. So I submitted it. And, uh, when I went, I gave my tape to the guy and I said to the guy, you know, how many, how many people are in this festival? Because I don't know what that is. He's like, including you, about a thousand entries. I said, wow. Oh, okay, cool. Fast forward a few months later, I got a letter stating I should be present at this award ceremony. So, you know, they did the uh, this little award ceremony, and at the end of the night, I won. Uh, you know, they gave you know they gave me a check. I was in the paper. They gave me a plaque, and it was the first time I, I've I've won something like that. And uh, you know, putting a project together without any help and trying to figure things out, and at the end, it, it, it you win a film festival. And I thought that was the that was it. That's the greatest thing. And then I convinced video stores around my neighborhood to carry it. Uh, after they read the newspaper clippings that came out about the film from the film festival. So I remember one video store uh, gentleman said to me, well, why would I want to carry this? And I said, why not? You know, you put it with your other movies. I didn't know how things worked. I was 17 years old. And he says, let me ask you something. If you came into a video store and you saw a movie like this, would you rent it? And I said, yes. He said, why? And I said, I would be curious. He said, I'll take five copies. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. And wait, wait the, the greatest thing was every copy, I had to go back to the original and edit and cut and edit and cut the same way again. Because he couldn't, because if you made a, dupli- a duplicate copy from a VHS, you're going to lose a generation. Oh so you got to go God. back to the master and do. So every copy. People don't realize what whoever still has those tapes, those are actually original tapes because every copy was an original. And how many That's, would you say you made? Uh, I must have sold I sold about maybe 25, 30 <sighs> copies to four different video stores. Now that for the people who don't who didn't grow up in the age of VCRs like that is quite a feat like my god I can't even imagine you know the 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 over the shoulder full size VHS camera you talk about I remember my dad bringing one home uh, in in 88 I think it was 
And uh, that was strictly forbidden. We were not allowed to put our fingers <laughs> on that thing. But oh yeah, as we got oh, yeah. older, uh, I would use it for little film projects around the house. I mean, I never followed th- followed through like you did, Church. But I remember one I did was like a claymation uh, thing. I just had a big bunch of clay there, made a couple characters, wanted to make them fight. And the hardest part was because, you know, when you hit record on that, it doesn't just immediately start recording. You have to give it, (laughs) you know, two or three seconds. So I would hit record and start counting out loud, go watch the tape, see where I would come in and then, you know, hit the button, count that loud and then turn it off right again. Just so I get a split second. And it was labor intensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My hat goes off to you. I can't imagine. 25 original edits. Jesus. Uh, and then the funny part is I had to create a box. So I had these white clamshell blank boxes that I had, I bought. Um, I had to get uh, typed all the labels up with a marker. I created like the spine of the VHS box. And then I took a – I went out and got a bunch of photos and I stuck each one has an original photo in it from like a mock poster, but nothing was ever like now everything's Photoshop. I can create that and just slide it in uh, a VHS sleeve and boom, you're done. Right, but each right. one was put together, you know, for that particular tape. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it was fun. It was crazy. The cool thing about the VHS camera the one that I had, it was the next one up because the first VHS cameras that came out, it was on your shoulder. Half yeah. of it was on your shoulder, and then the other half was in a pouch that looked like a little carrying VCR that you would carry, <laughs> and that would hang from your from your from your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So my VC my camera that I bought, it was all. The first time it was all packed together where you hit the button, the side of it open, and you put your full-size VHS tape in there, and then, you know, you close it, and and it was RCA, glorious color. That's all I kept remembering, the damn commercials that I had. So, and uh, and that was it, you know, and it came with a little credit block inside. You can kind of, no, no, I'm sorry. Mine didn't come with the credits. I had to go and go to a friend's house who had something similar and he had to type in my credits for on his camera. Oh yeah. Because some of those cameras, I forgot they had like, like digital, like text overlays and stuff you could do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They all look like all the, all the fonts look like the movie war games. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. A different age, a different age. Wasn't it? If I could go back now, with me now go back to that 17 year old kid and kind of tell him what's going to happen. I I would love to see the look on his face uh, while he's trying to figure everything out and direct for the first time people, you know, it's like, okay, uh, you go over here and you come over there. I'm like, Hey, you know, in a few years, you're going to direct some Oscar nominee people. You know, yeah, okay, get out of here, old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, how could you ever? I mean, how could you ever believe that? That's what makes the, the job so freaking awesome. That's what makes it. I'll wonderful. be like Grandpa Biff going back to young Biff <laughs> and back to the future. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Perfect uh, metaphor. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, oh, so. Man. 
then where do you go exactly from, uh, you know, making movies in high school, I guess, after graduation? How do you get into the, you know, Hollywood business, I guess? There was a long road. Uh, I had a lot of stupid, um, I made some dumb choices in my life to stick around and be in various relationships and just pro long my stay before I came out to LA. So I made that movie at 17. The following year, they had another film festival, same company. I submitted that again. I made another movie and I won again, but I won, I think, second prize. Or if I, Then there was another one right after that. So I was making a movie a year um, with, you know, back, back in the day when I was a kid and I put all these, I call them the neighborhood films. I put them all out into these video stores. And at one point I, I felt like, uh, I'm ready, but I wasn't really ready. So I made another three more movies in the neighborhood and they were bigger, you know, bigger budgets and stuff like that, that I ended up putting my 401k plan in, you know, because now I'm not a kid anymore. Now I'm like, a, you know, I'm I'm a young man right. and had a real job. And, you know, I, I've done jobs. That's how I realized that what I wanted to do, I felt like it was it was for me because I had jobs that people I mean, I enjoyed all the experience that I had across the board. But I've done things that people will make a full career out of, you know, from carpentry to painting to working for Boar's Head to working uh, in a pharmaceutical company for X amount of years, being an operations manager and operations director and just, you know, living the nine to five had about 150 people reporting to me and then i made movies still on the side on the weekends or at night or holidays on my vacation whatever i could i was always doing it and uh and then i realized uh i was in this relationship that was just completely toxic and uh but i spent 11 years in it and not realizing that it was just toxic every year and there was an opportunity for me to see the light. So I decided to leave it and take an opportunity and follow uh, follow the opportunity that was presented to me. So back in 2009, I'm going to jump a little bit here. Back mm-hmm. in 2009, I was living in North Carolina uh, in Wilmington. I was doing some things down there. And uh, I had an opportunity to come out to Los Angeles to direct a spec pilot for somebody that I never met, but I spoke to a few times over the over the Internet. So when I was out here and I directed something for this group, um, the last day of shooting, the executive producer asked me what would be my what's next for me? And I said, well, I got this little movie I'd like to get off the ground. And he asked me what the budget would be. And, you know, I told him. And next thing I know, his hand came over the table to say, let's do it. And that movie was a movie called The Merging Past that I ended up doing with uh, the gentleman's name was Paul Weinroth and ended up becoming one of my dearest friends and family. And I... uh, Shot the movie in New York. I went back to New York, 
shot it in New York, and in midway through filming, Paul said, why don't you take the movie out to L.A. and shoot it in L.A., um, cut it in L.A., you know, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You want to move out there, and that, there was nothing holding me back in New York. I grabbed my dog and grabbed the opportunity. I came out, and I've been out here since uh, 2009. Now, is this uh, about the time or shortly after you started up Churchill Productions? No. Uh, Churchill Productions, I started up back in 97. Oh, wow. Um, it so was that's after just been like I, the ongoing uh, production name for everything you've done. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, uh, it's a play on my name. Um, you know, I mean, it's only, you know, my name is spelt like Winston Churchill, but my company's the three words. It's Churchill Productions. Because it comes from uh, when I was a kid and me and my, my brother, one of my brothers, we went to school together. He was five years older than me, but he's still five years older than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that never changes. And uh, he he was always called Big Church on the Hill. His friends would call him, hey, Big Church on the Hill, Little Church on the Hill. And, and, and that always stuck with me, being the Little Church on the Hill. And I wanted to do my first logo was this church I created on a hill with the sun going up. And then I said, you know, we do, you know, I wanted to do something different. So it was always a church on some sort of hill uh, for my company. And the logos progressed over the years. They changed a little bit. And uh, we have a great logo now that I'm very happy with because, you know, as you evolve, the logo should evolve as well. Sure. Now, there's a few uh, movies here that we need to talk about uh, sure. from your IMDb page that you have a, a production credit on. First of which being Amityville Harvest, which we just mentioned at the top of the episode and uh, to my knowledge was in the top 10 rentals uh, last week at, around Halloween. So again, congrats to you on that. Thank you. That's one of our latest films. Um, you know, it's a film I've wrote, produced and directed. You know, I had an opportunity to do a, a film like this uh, for a company called Hollywood Media Bridge and meet some great people. I had some great producers on it, uh, Phil Goldfine and Ben Dang and Alex Zurich Hunt and, you know, Felissa Rose. And and uh, we created something really good. And after it was done, Lionsgate picked it up. Oh, and nice. I was very, very, uh, it's my first studio film. So it's like, 360, you know, a kid from New York with a dream to come out and make movies. And then next thing you know, you got a Lionsgate logo in front of your film. It's just, I can't explain the feeling. Uh, I'm so humbled and grateful of what I got. It's got to be surreal. I mean, oh, sure you don't is. work a day in your life if you're doing what you love, and that's what you've made happen. So that's amazing, man. And this yeah. other film, uh, as soon as I got on your IMDb page, there's a trailer for Checkpoint, and I watched it and was immediately intrigued. It looks right up my alley, action thriller with uh, quite a bit of uh, star power in there as well. Uh, Tyler Maine, Stephen Jeffries, uh, William Forsyth, Kane Hodder, Bill Goldberg, Fred Williamson, the list goes on and on. Can you uh, tell us a little more about this film? We've done that a few years ago. Uh, I was doing some horror films, and there was a uh, another company approached me and said to me, uh, you know, it'd be great if you can do an action film. And I said, oh, I can do an action film. So I put a bid in, and I didn't get that gig. And that kind of bothered me because when I told the guy that I can do the action film, he says, you're a horror guy. What do you know about action? And that really bothered me because 
very first movie I ever made as a kid was The War Master, and that was an action film. Right. So I know I know I could do action. And um, so my father passed away in 2015, and I wanted to do something in his honor, uh, being being a, a military vet. And also I, I wrote and uh, was able to get the finances together with, with this company. And uh, I produced uh, and directed this film. And it was uh, a little surreal. You're directing uh, icons right. and people that you, you know, grew up watching. But the very first person that I, I hired on that movie was Fred Williamson. Now, going back a quick little story, I, I probably share the story all the time, and it's very inspirational and, and, and very dear to my heart. When I was a kid, I was about seven or eight years old. My father used to take me to, my father introduced me to the world of cinema. Even though he wasn't in the business at all, he was actually a pretty good artist. He can draw. He was a great, great artist. And he would take me out to uh, to the movies and, and uh, or, or to the park and all while my mom was like either getting dinner ready or cleaning or if I came home from the uh, school and I did had a great day because I was kind of a troublemaker at school. Class comedian, I, I, I call it, not the clown. Uh, people get scared of clowns. Nobody was ever afraid of me. Uh, so so my uh, I remember my father used to take me to horror films and action films and he used to cover my eyes on all the uh, the violent or the nude scenes and all and and but your ears are you know are listening to what's going on on the screen and it and it would just ten times more it would it would it would make make your brain explode because you're you're hearing stuff that is just magnifying everything that was really on the screen so that used to scare me as a kid, as a, in a fahara, because I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm scared. But I don't know what's going on because his hand's in my eyes, but I'm hearing it. So we used to go to the movies and go to the Central Park Zoo. So we're in the zoo, and he points this guy out, and he says, see that, Tom? That's a movie star. And I never seen a movie star up front. It was always in, you know, on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh so I can't say magazine or reading because I wasn't really into that, but it was always the TV. So it was Fred Williamson. He was walking. He was wearing this coat that said The Last Fight. And I remember that vividly. And I ran over to him. I let go of my dad's hand, and I ran over to him. Fred was by the seals at the Central Park Zoo. I tugged on his elbow, and I said, hey, Mr. Williamson, uh, my name is Thomas Churchill. I want to be an actor just like you. And I remember him saying, hey, little man, where, where did you come from? And my father came over. They started talking. As a kid, you get bored. You look at the seals now because, hey, I already said what I had to say to the guy. <laughs> so fast forward, I, I I get to – I'm privileged to do some conventions and, you know, do a lot of signings for people, which are still surreal for me. And Fred was at a few of these conventions, but I never went over to him because that's my childhood. And one convention we were at, it was in Pennsylvania, and we were both by ourselves in the green room. I walked in, and he was sitting there. I was like, oh, shoosh. Uh, I didn't want to talk to him because, you know, it's his childhood. So he turned around, and he said, what's up, dog? Hammer. And he extended his hand. And I said, hey, how you doing? I said, you know, we actually met one time ago. He goes, we did? What show? And I said, no, it was like 30 years ago. And he's like, 30 years ago. 
So I brought him back to the Central Park Zoo, and he's staring at me, and I saw it in his eye, and he goes, I remember that kid. I remember that kid. You with your dad. And I, when he said that, I realized he remembered, truly remembered. That's cool. So again, fast forward, my father passes away, and my father's name was Charles. And I was writing a character named Chester, which is another name for Charles. And the only person I ever wanted to play Chester was Fred Williams. And Fred did the honor for me, and he was in the film playing Chester. And, and that was kind of like a full 360. My dad introduced me to Fred, and my and Fred got to be in my one of my first big budget movies where, you know, my father passed. He never saw it. I'm sure he's, he saw it now, I mean, looking down at me. Mm-hmm. But um, it was surreal doing that, you know, directing Fred, who 30-something years ago, he was talking to a little kid in the, in the zoo. Yeah. So and, amazing. Yeah. And I bet it, it, ta- it has to be just as surreal for him as it is for you. I, what a, what an incredible story. I love that story. It makes me want to watch this movie even more now. Can't freaking <laughs> wait. Um, so what's next for you, man? What's, what's, uh, what's in production now? What should be, uh, we be looking out for? You know, besides uh, checkpoint is, you know, I have a lot of films out there. We got a film called nation's fire that uh, has a, uh, Bruce Dern in it, and Gil Bellows, and Lou Ferrigno Jr., Chuck Liddell, and Chris DeGrotti. There's a film on Netflix I wrote called The Hard Way with Randy Couture and Michael J. White. That's streaming. I got a movie coming out called Big Freaking Rat. Uh, <laughs> I saw the cover it is, for that uh, one. That looks intriguing. Yeah, it's it's a... Uh, it's a fun it's a fun creature feature film. It's actually doing very well overseas and it's supposed to be coming out very very shortly, I think in the next few months uh, out here. Um I have a Christmas movie coming out December on uh, one of the networks called The Business of Christmas, um which I directed, produced and directed. We've done uh, we got a couple other horror films streaming coming out besides The Amityville Harvest. There's another movie called The Step Daddy that's coming out. So we got about four films in in the pipe, like ready to come out for uh, distributors. And, uh, you know, next year is going to be very busy with a bunch of other things we're putting together. And I'm just just very, very blessed and, and, and grateful that I get to do what I do. That's so cool. And and where uh, should people be checking you out, man? I found you on Instagram at uh, Churchill Productions and on Twitter at uh, Thomas Churchill's or anywhere else we should be looking. Yeah, um, on Instagram, uh, I do have uh, Churchill Productions, but I also have Thomas underscore J underscore Churchill. Um, same thing, Thomas Churchill on Twitter, uh, Thomas Churchill, on, Thomas J Churchill on Facebook. Uh, there's a um, fan page and bunch of movie pages. They can also reach out to through our other companies that we have. Los Angeles Studios is uh, one of the post production companies that we have out here in Los Angeles. And you know, I mean, but somebody can Google me and and find a way to talk to me or to reach out to me. And it's funny. I mean, I hate saying that, but my nephews taught me that. He said. Hey, Uncle Tom, did you know you're in Google? I'm like, I didn't know what that was at the time. I'm like, what? <laughs> so he goes, yeah, I put your name and everything comes up. I'm like, what do you mean everything comes up? What are you talking about? So then I looked and I said, oh, that's a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I tell 
So if I don't have a business card with me and somebody's like, hey, how do I get a hold of you? I say, Google me. Makes it, and that's so just another what, another thing that probably makes you feel really damn good, huh? To Google me? Man. I would think so. To just type <laughs> your name in and see all your work pop up. I mean, got to be kind of flattering on some level, no? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it, I guess because it's kind of somewhat validation of yeah. what you do. I mean, I remember when I came out here, um, 2009, and, you know, I've done a bunch of neighborhood movies, but I, this is my f- the first movie I made uh, that I felt like I wanted to show the world was The Emerging Past, which that's also streaming. And I left the pharmaceutical job that I've been doing for, you know, I was an operations manager. And I remember my brother, my brother who just argued with me and said, you know, what the hell are you doing? You're walking away from everything. You got your 401k, you got this, you got that. Why, why would you do that? What's, you know, it's stability. Why would you do that? And fast forward, you know, I'm not saying it was easy, but fast forward, my brother lets people know that his brother's movie was in the top 10 in Redbox. And, <laughs> and uh, it's streaming on cable. It's, you know, hey, he's he just directed Goldberg. And, you know, he wrote something for Randy Couture. He's directing a, a two-time Oscar nominee, Bruce Dern. You know, I mean... So it's kind of that is I always tell my my family and all because, you know, it is a hard business to be in and to maintain. But, you know, you you, you be nice to the people going up because you're going to meet the same people coming down. And the one thing that I wanted to be true to myself, that if I leave this world tomorrow, God forbid, uh, I'm not ready yet. I want people to look at me and say, you know, he didn't take no for an answer. He had this dream and he followed it. And if you believe in yourself and you believe in what you can do and what you you have, if you believe, you achieve and then you receive it. And it's all about just staying focused and believing and understanding that little voice inside of you and staying focused on and true to who you are. Of course, life throws curveballs at you, but it's all about, you know, how many balls can you keep and keep going? Sure. You know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Great advice, too. Man, this has been so much fun having you here, uh, Church. And again, I encourage people to, uh, yeah, just Google Thomas J. Churchill, and boy, you'll get everything uh, come up in a nice organized list for you there. And I strongly recommend checking out that IMDb list. Uh, Lots of interesting-looking films on there. So once again, Church, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been, uh, it was a pleasure, and uh, God bless you guys, and Thank you. I hope to be on again. Oh, absolutely. Randy, what have we on the website, sir? Go to CandairPodcast.com, see previous episodes, uh, check out our Hall of Heroes, uh, get a link to our merchandise page, uh, and send us a message if you want to be on the show. There you have it. And once again, find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And that lovely little website Randy was talking about, once again, CandairPodcast.com has links to get merch like uh, t-shirts mugs uh, and uh, our patreon page where five dollars a month gets you access to our canned air patreon pod tons of ways for you to give us your money people we make it easy for you so uh, i think that's gonna do it for this week so until next time i am jeremy collie i'm randy hardenbrook and i'm thomas g churchill thanks so much for listening everyone and be excellent to each other
This has been a Canned Air production. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Thank you.